This is Kayleen Scarcies, and today's leadership quote comes from Matthew 20, 26. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. The Leader Assistant Podcast exists to encourage and challenge assistants to become confident, game-changing leader assistants. Thank you for listening to the Leader Assistant Podcast. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to episode 111. You can check out the show notes at leaderassistant.com slash 111. Before we jump into the interview, I wanted to invite you to join us at one of our upcoming events. Uh, Most of them are virtual at this time, but we will be doing in-person events as soon as we are safely able. So leaderassistantlive.com. That's leaderassistantlive.com. And you can check out our events. These events are in a variety of price points. So some of them are as affordable as $35. And some of them are more intense two-day workshop type sessions that might cost $1,500 to $2,500. But your executives and your companies can pay for it. And we even have a template to use um, where you can request the professional development funds to pay for your registration. So leaderassistantlive.com. And we hope to see you at a future event. Hey, friends, thanks for tuning in to the Leader Assistant Podcast. It's your host, Jeremy Burrows. And today I'm speaking with Kayleen Skirsies. Kayleen is executive assistant to the founding partner and CEO of Parcion Private Wealth. Kayleen, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, dive right in. Why don't you tell us um, where you're at in the world and what your favorite hobby is? All right. Um, I am, well, Parcion's based in Bellevue, Washington, and I'm located this evening just north of downtown Seattle in Shoreline. My favorite hobby, definitely horseback riding. I love horses. I grew up riding them, and I wish I could get out of the city more often um, to ride, but I've been trying to prioritize that more and more as, as time goes by. Awesome. Have you fallen off a horse before? Oh, boy. Multiple times. I've definitely um, been in the emergency room several times and had some long-term injuries, but it doesn't stop me from getting back on. Wow. That's that's uh, dedication. It is. You, you know, when you find something you love, you just have to stick with it. So, Awesome. Well, let's get into your executive assistant career. Um, You have worked in your prior roles, you've worked with ultra high net worth individuals um, and then also in the private service sector. So tell us a little bit about how you got into the EA role and specifically the ultra high net worth um, world. (laughs) Absolutely. It can... It can be a little daunting, I think, to some people who have who haven't worked um, for high net worth individuals. Uh, but I've been very lucky, and the people I've supported, for the most part, have been very down to earth um, and treat have treated me just as any other individual. I actually nannied for quite a while and split time between Seattle, Washington and Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh, nannying for a couple of different families. And 
Then from there, sort of moved into more of house management roles, um, managing multiple properties for um, high net worth individuals. And then I, I actually did a stint in Aspen, Colorado, working as a personal assistant. So definitely more on the domestic side of supporting high net worth individuals. And the last five years have kind of transitioned more into a traditional office space uh, supporting um, CEOs uh, in in their home offices, but as you know, in the executive assistant world, you're you know if you're you're good at something, they they tend to keep adding to your plate. So it doesn't matter if you're supporting an individual in an office; you might be asked to do things that do involve um, their personal life. So that's sort of where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's a good point. Did you clarify that when you started with your current role? Like, you know, or did they specifically say this is going to entail personal assistant stuff as well? You know, I've learned that job descriptions basically have to be thrown out the window when you apply for any executive assistant role, because really what, what the end or the CEOs or executives that you're supporting need from you is to show them what how you can add value. And I think essentially I've done so many things for a variety of different people that they just sort of expect that if you are able to do these things previously that you'll be able to continue to do them. I I did clarify in this role that, you know, this would be a primarily supporting the, the role I'm currently in, that it would be supporting um, the executive within the office and helping the company grow. Um, but as you know, it, it just those all those little things get weaseled in um, into your day or, you know, your CEO may have a million different things that need to be prioritized for him. And sometimes taking those personal things off of his or her plate is is really where you can add value. So what's one of the craziest things you've had to do uh, on the personal assistant side? Ooh, I love that question. I think still to this day, the craziest thing I've been asked to do was source two Jack Russell puppies that were declawed. And the, the person I was supporting at the time wanted these puppies flown in on a private jet. Um, so I was able to talk them out of tr- uh, getting this flight for them, for the puppies, just because I felt it was so unnecessary in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I ended up having to use a, pu- a puppy broker in order to find these Jack Russells. And that was just a really unique experience from start to finish. Wow. So did you just start Googling or did you have kind of connections in your network to find that? There was one individual that I did reach out to within my network that was able to kind of guide me in the direction. But man, I don't know what we did without Google (laughs) because it was definitely helpful as well. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty intense. So, okay. What's the craziest thing you've done on the corporate side? You know what? Honestly, I think given the amount of personal assistant work that I've done, nothing phases me on the corporate side. <laughs> Nothing's crazy on that side, right? <laughs> no, right. Um, you know, 
I did unfortunately support a CEO um, for a short period of time who was going through a lot um, in his life. And we actually had some business partners fly in from Australia and we had three full days of meetings and presentations lined up for these business partners. Um, and the CEO that I was supporting was having some difficulty with another employee and, and lost his cool and unfortunately just removed himself completely from the meetings. And our operations manager and myself ended up having to run those meetings for the rest of basically a full entire day. Um, so that was just really a unexpected and very disappointing, but B it was also nice to see how cohesive, um, the senior ops person was alongside myself and able to take over, um, just the CEO not being there in order to, to keep our business partners happy and pacified and on track. Um, and you know, the reason they had come so far to have, have these discussions. Hmm. So kind of on that note, do you, do you have any formal, like business training? Did you get your MBA or anything like that? I do not have an MBA. I do have an undergrad, just business management from Rocky Mountain College in Billings, Montana. And so it, that has definitely been useful, you know, setting, setting myself up, uh, for just what, what to, to expect, I guess, um, being in the business world per se, mm -hmm. but I learn by doing and I learn by watching and I learn by absorbing. So some of those fundamentals you learn in college, absolutely you need to, to know and learn and uh, never undervalue a college education, but you cannot replace workplace experience. You really can't. Yeah. And that's, that's why I was asking is, you know, you mentioned basically you had to kind of hold down the fort when that CEO wasn't there. And I feel like that's typically, and I've, I've said this before on the podcast, but that's typically a much better education in real world business than an MBA is. Absolutely. And I, I say it now, I, I never want to be in that position again, but I know when it kind of comes to fight or flight, I'm able to fight, right? I've been in that situation before and I think it helped also boost my confidence um, moving forward, just knowing I was able to have an intelligent conversation, a well-informed conversation, and and most importantly, the end result was positive for both parties. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about the high net worth support for a second, because I know several of my listeners um, personally um, who support high net worth individuals. Do you have any tips specifically for those supporting them or maybe even, um, tips on even how to get into like some, some people, I know it can seem like a impossible, um, role to find sometimes, um, cause those communities are pretty close knit and protective for obvious reasons, but any, any tips from that side of the world? I think this this just goes without saying is networking is so important 
it does not matter what role you're in today, tomorrow, 10 years from now, never stop putting yourself in a place um, to network with individuals um, that might not be in the same realm as you currently are, but maybe one that you would love to be in. Um, and then I also just think never stop learning, right? I I try to absorb as much as I can from the executives that I support. And you eventually start to think like them and speak like them and be like them. And they're obviously well-respected individuals. Um, so just learning the vernacular that you, you know, you need to know moving forward um, really sets you up for success. I don't have any tips as far as sites to go to. Um, I just have always utilized kind of a, a self-awareness and guidance through everything that I've experienced and just a lot of listening and observing and then not being afraid to connect with those individuals on LinkedIn or, or reach out um, to, to their assistants or their gardeners or, you know, utilizing maybe the high net worth individuals um, key players as your point of reference or contact to initiate um, maybe the initial uh, entrance into the realm of high net worth um, individuals. So what about security? How, how are you, and maybe even just privacy, how are you able to maintain that confidentiality? And, um, you know, I would, I would assume that you had to hire contractors or nannies or whoever to come into the homes. How, um, how did you make sure that you were bringing someone in that was, that was respectful and, and safe? Absolutely. You know, it really just depended on um, who I was supporting at the time. Some people are far more relaxed. Others have more of a formalized process. Um, I think, obviously, vetting your vendors, um, first and foremost, um, some would have to sign NDAs as they, you know, would come onto the property or prior to coming onto the property, just depending on um whoever I was supporting at the time. I think also when you're talking with a vendor or someone who's coming on site to perform work, it's really important that you keep the information that you're giving the person um, strictly to whatever they're there to focus on. So if I'm having a vendor come in to repair something in the kitchen, I don't need to be talking about the security system because that just gives them more intel than they need to know about the individual's uh, residence or office, wherever it is you might you might have them come into. Yeah, that's a good good tip. Um, yeah. So you mentioned the the crazy request request about the dogs. <laughs> what were there requests like outlandish requests that were made that you basically said no to or outsourced? Jeremy, I'm not very good at saying no. <laughs> That's something that I've personally been working on. How do I say no in a kind way or how do I redirect a question or situation? I'm learning, especially in these last few years, to say I don't have the answer or the solution for that, but I'm happy to find someone who does because I can't be an expert on everything. And I think a lot of the time, um, regardless if you're supporting um, 
someone on the personal side or the executive side. They just want to know that the job is going to get done and the job will, you know, like they want it done yesterday, right? Sort of out of sight, out of mind. They don't honestly don't care how it gets done as long as it gets done for the most part. So there are times where, you know, I'm, I'm learning. I have interns now that I, I'm able sometimes to pass smaller items off to that are just as important as the larger items. I just don't have the capacity to always take on everything my executive is throwing my way. So let's kind of transition a little bit to the idea of some assistants thrive in, let's say, an individual contributor role. Um, and they don't really maybe care to, or, or they're just comfortable in their role. They don't really want to lead or they don't know what it's like to be a leader. Or they maybe are intimidated by what it means to be a leader. Um, what, what's your experience with kind of evaluating whether or not you're cut out to be a true leader? Yeah, I think, you know, it really just comes down to, whether or not you are willing to put yourself in a position um, that maybe makes you more approachable. And uh, this goes back to my quote of just having a servant's heart. If you aren't willing to kind of put yourself in other people's shoes, really understand what it is they need to be successful um, and, and be able to evaluate the bigger picture you might not be cut out to be a true leader. You know, you, you can be great at your job. You can be great at scheduling. You can be great at, you know, thinking ahead and great at doing travel itineraries. But if you truly want to lead, you, you need to embody and embrace everything that comes your way. And when you're supporting the CEO of a company, large or small, things are end up being rapid fire. So you really have to put yourself in their shoes. And I'd, I think if you're not willing to do that as an assistant, um, the true leadership capacity never kind of comes to fruition for those individuals. Yeah. So what if you want to put yourself in your executive shoes or take more off their plate, but they won't, they don't want to give it up or they won't let you? <laughs> That that's a great question as well. I think that comes over time, right? Establishing a great relationship with the person that you're supporting, understanding, having them understand that they can trust you with literally everything. I mean, the the person I'm currently supporting is wonderful in the fact that he I I have full visibility to pretty much everything. And he from the start has just trusted me with, with the visibility I've had. So I think sometimes it's hard because you see all of the things that they're going through and you know, before they know what you're fully capable of or what they're going to need. And so really, I think that's more of a timing thing. Um, in, at least in my experience, there are sometimes, you know, I think, just depending on who you're supporting, there are people who want to type their own, you know, emails or want to be managing the calendar at certain points. Um, but that just needs to be dialogue that you have with your executive and know that over time they are going to give you more of more responsibility.
Are you ready to elevate your career in 2024? I'm Maggie Olson, founder of Nova Chief of Staff Certification, the first of its kind online course for aspiring and existing chiefs of staff. With curriculum taken directly from on-the-job responsibilities, Nova's self-paced learning modules provides you with hands-on experience so you can feel competent and confident moving into a chief of staff style role. It's the perfect next step for executive assistants. Head to leaderassistant.com slash Nova to learn more, grab the syllabus, and enroll today. Yeah, I think it's a good point. A lot of times it takes takes time, sometimes months, sometimes years. Absolutely. <laughs> Hopefully not decades. Hopefully not. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about project management. I was noticing on your LinkedIn that you kind of have a focus of project management. Um, any any tips on project management for those listening? Well, I think um, at least in my experience, the most important thing is to not get ahead of yourself. I think gathering all of the information you need and knowing that some of the information you need isn't going to come immediately. It's going to be developed over time, just depending on the project you're overseeing. Uh, for example, I supported a CEO of a real estate development company um, here in Seattle, and he kindly um, gives away a free apartment, uh, free rent for a year, um, every year. And so that's one of the projects I oversaw was kind of vetting the applicants, um, interviewing those applicants, and uh, alongside our marketing um, rep going through and making sure that the branding and visibility to to this um, amazing opportunity was, you know, dispersed to the appropriate channels. And you can't have all of the information all at once. Projects like that take a long time. Um, this project specifically takes about six months from start to finish. And I had the opportunity to help for a couple of years. So not getting ahead of yourself and knowing that there will be days that are a little bit more frustrating than others. Um, But you're smart. You are capable. As long as you're clear and concise in in what you need as the project leader, your teammates should be happy to be um, supporting you and make it fun, right? doesn't need to be a drag. Those, Those types of projects, those longer projects, can you really get to know the people you're working with? And I think it's really important for everyone to just enjoy um, the entire process. Yeah, it's funny you actually answered the question I was going to ask, which was how do you kind of stay motivated and excited about a long-term project when it can seem like nothing's actually getting done? <laughs> right. Well, that project specifically was really so rewarding because you're really impacting someone's life, someone who is, you know, out of work or has been living on the street or is just like really falling behind on bills. And then they have this amazing opportunity to live rent free for an entire year and really propel themselves and get themselves into a situation where they can continue to support themselves. So for me, leading that project, I always had that sort of light at the end of the tunnel when when things were frustrating or or we had a day that was just overloaded with interviews or or work on that specific project uh, but it 
yes, definitely. Sometimes those larger, longer projects can be a, a little bit daunting. Yeah. So what do your friends and family say about your role? In, in other words, when you tell them you're an executive assistant, what do they say? I still think half the people that I tell I'm an executive assistant think that I answer the phone and get coffee all day long, to be honest. <laughs> um, I It's hard, I think, sometimes to really help people understand how elevated this, this position is. A lot of executive assistant roles, especially those supporting the C-suite, um, how detrimental they are to the organization itself, not only just the CEO, but, um, you know, the transfer of, of knowledge and making sure things don't fall between the cracks. Those are some pretty high pressure things to have on your plate. And I definitely have felt, felt those in, in these last few roles supporting people at this level. Yeah, it's. Uh, I like to tell people I basically run my executive's life. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I used to say, um, and obviously this is a joke, but you know, I used to nanny, so I, I say I used to change real diapers, and now I change figurative ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, is there anything that you would tell? those listening who are about to start their first week on the job as an assistant? I think if I could sit down with someone and, and impart knowledge or have a great conversation, it would just be to ask as many questions as possible. No one can fault you for something you don't know. And the more you ask now, the, the better you set yourself up for long-term success, um, really getting that foundation. Um, there's no, there are no dumb questions. You know, you, you really don't know what you don't know. So obviously you do, do have, um, you're bringing a great skill set, or they wouldn't have hired you to begin with, but really ask to be in the meetings, ask to have the visibility, ask your executive, how, how are you doing this currently? Are, you know, and if you see ways or opportunities to kind of improve certain processes, jump in right now ahead of time before you get in into the minutiae or um, the routine of doing it the way they've previously done it. Like set yourself apart um, to start with. Don't don't ever be afraid or think that what you're bringing to the table isn't valuable. You have a lot of wonderful things to offer the person you're going to be supporting. And I wish someone had told me that, you know, several years ago, don't be afraid to ask those questions. Great. Yeah. Asking, uh, questions, especially when you first start, especially asking a lot of questions and then over time, you don't have to ask as many. Absolutely. I know there, there is that fine balance, but you, you kind of, that the first 30 days you, you get a hall pass, so to say. So utilize it and, and run with it. Yeah. Is there any thing else that you would want to share with assistants around the world? I think 
really, it's great to know that there are so many of us supporting um, behind the scenes or next to um, so many wonderful CEOs and executives. Just really continue to do your jobs well and and listen, listen to the people around you, listen to your executive, listen to your other teammates. I think being empathetic and, and getting on your teammates level so they really can trust you with the information they're bringing to the table is really important. And also just know that you're there to support your CEO, but you're also acting as a, an extension of him or her. So remember that when you're having those conversations with other teammates, that you're acting in in everyone's best interest and really trying to emulate what your CEO would be saying um, to to those individuals. Awesome. Well said. Well, Kayleen, um, thank you so much for being on the show. Is there some way that we can support you or connect with you online? Absolutely. If you're interested in finding me on the Parcion website, it's just Parcion, P-A-R-C-I-O-N-P-W.com. Otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you. Just shoot me a message and let me know uh, that you heard the podcast and I'd love to um, connect with you there. Perfect. And I'll share those links on the show notes so people can reach out. And yeah, thanks again. Uh, Good luck to you in your EA career and appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to share some tips with us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Please review on Apple Podcasts. Go